Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 187, Daredevil Season 2, Episode 4, Penny and Dime. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to let you know what's coming at you for this episode. Episode 187, 187 episodes. Oh man, that is a lot of podcasting, so... But that's also why we're doing the episodes the way we're doing this for uh, Daredevil Season 2. And that is uh, to spread the 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 workload out a little bit as we go through the Daredevil series for Season 2. And the way we're doing it today is I'm here to uh, go through the past Ben and past Daniel calls that we called in right after we watched the episodes when we were first binge watching the Daredevil Season 2 season. And then uh, Stuart will be in with Casey. Uh, Casey is a friend of his who is a Marvel fan and who is a uh, pastor of a small church. And so they're going to have their conversation about this episode. And then I will come back with some feedback and some final words, and we will go from there. So that is what we have for season two, episode four of Daredevil, Penny and Dime. Opening statements. So you know how this works by now. Uh, Daniel Butcher, one of the, well, one of the founders, he is the founder of Welcome to Level 7 along with me. There's two of us. So when I say he's one of the founders, he is the other one of the founders of the podcast. And what he and I did when we started with the first Daredevil series was we wanted to find a way we could get our initial reactions. And that way was whenever we watched an episode, we would call in immediately when credits started to roll and just give our initial reaction to it. Now, sometimes it wasn't immediate. Sometimes we had to, you know, go up and, uh, take care of things that you need to take care of after having, you know, sat down in front of a TV for an hour. But generally speaking, this is our initial reaction just right after watching the episode, the gut reaction. And so I've got a message from Daniel from the past. I've got a message from past Ben, and we're going to play those and see what we thought of this episode back then. So as usual, here's Daniel first. Hey, it's Daniel here. Just got done watching Daredevil Season 2, Episode 4, Penny and Dime. And can I just say that that, well, Frank's a mess, and he looks warm. Just saying. It's hot and messy. But besides that, I have to be honest. This could be my absolute favorite episode of Daredevil to date. Uh, and I, I'm coming from the perspective of a guy who... When you see these articles about how there's going to be a Daredevil Netflix show or a Daredevil this, or, I, mean, I mean a Punisher this or a Punisher that, I'm not really a Punisher guy. I'm not a Daredevil guy. I'm not really a Punisher guy. But this Frank, you know, 
our actor, whose name I can't pronounce, but isn't everything, um, he does a fantastic, fantastic job making me feel for him, making me understand Frank Castle's motivation for the first time, his determination. His scene as Matt tears rolled down his eyes. Okay, my face wasn't sweating, but I considered it. I'm just saying, I did consider letting my face sweat. Uh, it's just good. Now, the Karen and Matt stuff, I, uh, Karen and Matt stuff kind of overrated to me. But in this episode, take away the Karen and Matt stuff could have easily been my favorite episode to date of Daredevil. Agent Daniel out. High, high praise from Daniel Butcher. And the next message, wait a minute, this next message is not from me. This is also from Daniel. Okay. Um, the question is, do I let him cheat? And how can I say no? How can I? Yeah. Here's another message from Daniel. Yeah, he didn't go over three minutes with that last one, I don't think. So, yeah, we'll give it to him. Agent Daniel, penny and dime. Yeah, I'm back. Because here's the thing. This show may be bloody, it may be gory, it may be gross, it may be just stretching how far you can go since you're on Netflix when it comes to blood and gore. But here's the one thing I just want to say. Don't hurt the dog. Just don't hurt the dog. That's what stresses me out is, is that dog going to be okay? Don't hurt the dog. Peace out later. Bye. So, of course, that phone call makes me just think of um, how, isn't it weird how People can die all over the place in a show and in a movie. <laughs> you kill the dog and people get rise up in an uproar. They hate you want to turn someone against your movie. You don't put children in danger. You don't have a child get hurt or even killed. You have an animal get killed and you your your audience will turn against your movie or they'll turn against your bad guy or your character. Whoever did that, they'll turn against them like that. Um, it's the save the cat principle bumped up to a 11 where you, know, you you kill the cat and you're going to turn against them. You save the cat and people will like your character because they can see that your character has something to like. But anyway, uh, here is the call from Ben of the past past Ben. What do you have to say? Matt, 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 you've, you should know by now that workplace romances don't work. Workplace romances especially don't work if there's only three people in the workplace. Uh, it, gets, it gets awkward. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't know. I never had a workplace romance, but I've seen them not work. So it's not personal, but it's, it's experiential. I, I've seen it. And so, yeah, I, I don't know what you're thinking here. Uh, I do know that as soon as they started having some romance there at the end, um, I knew this was the episode that was going to be giving us Electra. Yes, this fourth episode, Electra's here. Future Ben, uh, even you could have seen it coming, and I, I think maybe you did. Oh, I know you did. It was me. Time travels hard. Blah blah blah. Anyway, it's this episode was good, and Future Ben, I'm curious if you're going to tear up the way we did just now on your second viewing. Who expected to be tearing up as you're watching the Punisher speak? Not I, said the dog, as they say. Not I. I 
did not expect that because the Punisher that I know, Dolph Lundgren, uh, you know, I'm, who's tearing up against uh, about that in an 80s action movie? Uh, who's tearing up about that in, in the other two uh, Punisher movies? I don't know. I, I can't imagine anyone. That's not the movie they were trying to make. And here we went from Punisher is Terminator, you know, in that, that first, you know, hospital attack scene. And then you get to him here and it, it, maybe it's because I'm a dad and and I have I have kids. And so when you have things with kids happening on the screen and they're, they're talking about kids and you know where this is going, he's sitting there, you know, even if you didn't know his backstory, they're sitting in a cemetery. He's talking about his daughter and the words behind him, behind his head as he's speaking are born and died. And so you know where this conversation is going. You know where this backstory is going. It's touching and it's heart-wrenching. And yeah, I was tearing up a little bit. I'm not ashamed to say it. Future Ben, you might be ashamed to say it, but I am not. And I'm curious if it'll happen again when you watch it in the future. But for now, this was a very different episode. I mean, it had the same kind of action beats, but with all of the, you know, and then there's all the Reyes stuff going on too. I'm sure that ties into his origin somehow. And suddenly now Punisher is not the villain of the piece. He's an ally. So that's me. I'm out. Yeah. Past Ben, it is a very different episode and that's, what's cool about this series. Uh, the season anyway, is uh, there's a lot of different stuff going on from episode to episode and different styles and tones. And uh, you know this one gives us a, a, a character to feel compassion for. And yeah, it's, it, you know, I'm going to, because I'm not part of the main discussion here, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, this, this episode does have some of the best moments of, the Marvel Netflix series. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. I'm, I guess I'm doubling down on, on what Daniel had to say from the past, but not just the best, best daredevil episode, but one of the best episodes of Netflix period. I think it's, it's better so far than every single episode of iron fist that I've seen. And I've been really enjoying iron fist and I'm not going to talk too much about that right now, but um, we'll, we'll get to iron fist when it comes, but yeah, it's, it's a good solid strong episode and one that deserves deserves to be rewatched so I, i'm glad we're doing the rewatch right now and <laughs> moving through daredevil season two concurrently with with iron fist it's kind of interesting but that's enough from past daniel that's enough from past ben it is time to move on to present day Stuart and casey and they're going to discuss this episode in a much more lengthy way than I was doing just now. And then we do have some actual feedback to get into as well. So here they are. Case evidence. Thanks, Ben. Once again, I've stolen the show and I brought along a very good friend of mine, Mr. Casey. I'm not Hi. even gonna I'm not even gonna pronounce your last name because I can't. I've known you for what, ten years now? Something like that? Or, or a little bit over. Or a little bit more than that, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, time is relative when it comes to the podcasting world. Uh, I just realized that in a couple of days, we will be recording this episode um, almost a year to the day 
that they launched on Netflix. So the whole Daredevil season two, which is very interesting and a little sad. But anyway, I can't pronounce your last name. I'm not going to try. Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know me that this is not the most comfortable thing in the world for me, but uh, been greatly encouraged uh, by many people, including Stuart and my my amazing wife as well. Yes. Well, you know, we're just going to have a little conversation about uh, a very gritty show. You know, it's going to be light and easy. Maybe there'll be bunnies and fluffy bunnies at that. So if you're just joining us for the first time, haven't seen Daredevil, that's probably the most accurate description I've ever heard of. Yes. This series. Yes. Uh, You know, what do they need such good eyesight for? So let's do a quick, quick recap. Um, I won't read the two page recap that I found earlier. I'll just read the paragraph one um, and Casey and I can can add stuff Um, and then we'll go through and, and we'll work on our little grid and then we'll be out and we'll give our ratings and we'll figure out what the rating system is. And don't worry, Casey, it's there's no test. So I studied for nothing. No, you studied for the the act of studying. That that always helps. That always helps. Don't don't you tell that lie to your kids? <laughs> the betterment of self is more important than the grades you get. Yes, that is a good lie to tell to kids. <laughs> okay, we open up on a bunch of caskets that belong to the gentleman that uh, were doing some bad things and got shot by the Punisher, <laughs> and. Finn, Mr. Finn, a good Irish man. Um, no, no, no. He is, he, he does Irish man well. He is not a good man. Let's just say that. Um, he comes in and is very upset that, uh, his money's missing. Not so much that his brother's dead or his son. Doesn't really matter. He's more worried about his money. And he stabs somebody in the eye. Because they delivered a message he did not like. So he literally stabbed the messenger. Anyway, uh, arrives in New York seeking revenge and tracks down, tracks the dog Punisher took to his apartment where he realizes who the Punisher is. Miss Karen begins investigating the Punisher herself using files slipped to her by assistant DA Blake Tower. She learns that he is Frank Castle, once a husband and a father who was hospitalized with a bullet in his head. Barely surviving, Castle escaped an apparent cover-up of some kind, potentially of Reyes's doing. The Irish confront Castle at a family carousel and take him hostage. Cooley violently tortures him, that's Mr. Finn, until Castle escapes and brutally murders Cooley with and several of several of the other Irish. Daredevil finds them and stops Castle from murdering anyone else, helping him escape. Castle tells Daredevil about his family who were murdered before allowing himself to be arrested. With Daredevil, with Daredevil giving credit to his capture to Sergeant Brent Mahoney in hopes of restoring the public's faith in the police rather than in vigilante justice. Roll credits, wait 15 seconds, and then you'll get to watch the next one. That's a very interesting recap on what they chose to put in and not put in. Yes, very much so. You should add more to it. I mean, a couple of the the two things that jump out just, just straight away from that recap are, well, three things. First of all, whether he's good or not, Finn is a good Irish name, and I heartily endorse that name. This is that true. May or may, may or may not have anything to do with my first son being named Finn. So, um, <laughs> second, it's they capture Castle at a 
family carousel? No, I think it's the family carousel. Well, it is the, but the recap said a, as in that's just where they happen to stumble upon him. Yeah. Um, and then there's no men. Well, I'm glad there's no mention, but there's no mention of the last five to eight minutes of the the episode, which I would rather have not been in there personally, but you know, was an important part. Yeah. So. What? So so for our listeners, what what are you specifically referring to? And in, in terms of the last couple of minutes, yeah, uh, that would be the uh, advancement of the the relationship between Karen and Matt that had been building over the first couple of episodes of the season. Boo. Uh, thank you. Agreed. It was it was a I thought it was a pretty well shot and it would have been interesting if, if I had any like for them as a couple, uh with the rain and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I can't get on board. And so I'm glad that there was no mention in the recap because they apparently agree with us. Right. And it also doesn't mention the the beginning of the episode where they're at Grotto's funeral, which yes. I think we're going to park on for a while. It also does not mention the last shot of the episode wherein we have the next protagonist, antagonist, character revealed. I don't know who this person is in relationship to to Matt, except her name's Electra. So um, we don't know any more than that as far as this episode goes. And no, the Ben Affleck Jennifer Garner does not count. Nor do the the comics themselves. That's that's actually very true because the MCUing of something is something that's been talked about on this show a lot. So um, we're not, you know, we don't need to to beat that horse again. Okay. So if we go back to Ben's grid, you remember all the grid? Did you do the reading? Yeah. Uh, what about plot or did you find very interesting about this episode? You know, plot wise, I found it, I, you know, I, I watched this when, when it first came out, you know, did the binge mm-hmm. watching and all. That. Uh, and I haven't, I've only gone back and watched a couple of spots and a couple of episodes since then. I was surprised to, see the rise and fall of the Irish mob basically took place all in one episode. Yeah. They, uh, they did that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And I remember them being a much bigger deal. The other thing I think that happened is this, you know, uh, daredevil and Punisher have interacted you know, over the course of the past couple of episodes mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit, but this really seemed to humanize Frank more than any of the other episodes that I can remember. Well, absolutely. This this episode um, makes makes you question why Frank is is so well gives you an answer to the question of why Frank is so angry about everything um, mm-hmm. and, and why he's literally going out and punishing everyone. Well, everyone that he sees needs punishing and and rightfully so. I mean, one of the reasons I. I well, there, there's basically two reasons I, I asked you on to this episode. One, um, to talk about the, the grotto funeral, which um, we can get into that a little bit later. And two, I, you're a father like me and Ben and Daniel and not Samantha. She's not a father. You and I can and, – and I know you personally and we can relate to – hopefully not relate to, but I imagine that if we were in Frank's situation, we would be having – um, 
I hesitate to say similar responses, but I think it might be there. Um, and so uh, that's a huge, that's a, regardless to say fatherhood is something that's very important to you. And then I know it is very important to me. And so um, that's part of the reason I had you on. I, I asked you to be on this, this particular conversation. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that any father, uh, whether they would go to the, the lengths that 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 he does, you know, it's obviously not 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 all would. But anybody that says they don't understand it uh, as a father. I, I don't understand that, you know, it it makes it so easy to see how he got there and, and so um, understandable. And 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 if you're honest with yourself, you know, looking at, OK, if if these certain events took place, is it really that far of a jump? You know, no, we're not all special forces. We're not all going to survive, you know, the first attempt at anything. But you can see the steps that got him there and you can understand each step, even if you don't agree or even if you yourself wouldn't take those steps. Um, and I think that's a, a testament to. A, to the character Punisher. I mean, because I'm not exactly sure how he is in the comics. I only read the the um, Civil War tie-in, and he was just being, you know, killy guy. But in the show, he is very, like you said, relatable in, in as much as that is. Um, but it's believable, you know. A Special Forces guy who comes back from Iraq or Afghanistan – doesn't matter. He comes back from something horrible only to have his family taken away again. I mean, that would push anybody over the edge. Anybody. Not to mention the fact that they pumped him full of probably the Captain America trying to make super serum again. Um, I wish Ben were here because he would tell me if that's true or not. Listeners, listeners, send feedback. Let me know if I'm right or not. We've mentioned it a couple of times. Let's talk about this. Um, this scene, uh, Grotto's funeral scene. One of the things that I really liked about this scene, it's beautifully shot. It's absolutely gorgeous. They, the, the church is interesting to look at. There's, it looks like it was drawn. It looks like they've got some interesting angles. Um, the one, this, the shot specifically, I'm thinking of when you can see Father Lantham in the foreground and then the three of them sitting in the far distance. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's design elements, you know, one-on-one and that looks really pretty. And then they go into a little bit about, you know, Grotto not being a good man, but at the same time seeking repentance by giving all of his seemingly all of his wealth at the time, even including a Rolex watch. And then you have the, the conversation at the end with um, Father Lantham and Matt talking about, you know, guilt and, and what drives people to do things and, and how guilt is not necessarily a bad thing all the time. Um, so Casey, what are your thoughts on this? Yes. Uh, you know, I have some specialized thoughts. Is that how you'd say it? Um, for those that don't know, I am a, a pastor in real life. Um, so whenever I see any, uh, showing of religion in, in, in its various shapes and forms, uh, in media, I measure that against, uh, my own beliefs. Even before I came to a lot of those beliefs, one of the things that bothered me about funerals was 
lifting up and basically the, the, the portraying everybody that's ever lived and then died as a saint. Um, the father mentions that, you know, it's, uh, how I forget how he says it, how quickly a halo shines up upon death or something like that. You know, it's when, when Matt says, you know, most, most priests would have found something good to say about him, but not everybody is easy to find something good to say. And what you want to do is you want to take that, take what you can. And again, the funeral, as the father says, the funerals are for the living and to go out and to use that. To use him as an example, he was a fallen, broken man, Grotto was, uh, and he was looking and he knew it. There's a reason he went to, to church every Sunday and, and gave whatever he had on him at the time. There's a reason he went to, to um, Nelson and Murdoch to, to try to, whether he was sincere or not, to, to try to turn things around once the Punisher started going after him. You know, there, there's a reason that those things were there because he knew he, who he was. Uh, he didn't like who he was. He was trying to to find that redemption that the father he mentioned in in his little sermon there. And I think that's something that we can all uh, relate to. I think that's a universal truth in all of us, whether we acknowledge it in a religious sense or not. There's things broken in this world. We ourselves are broken to some extent, and we all want to try to, even if you wouldn't say it this way, we all want to try to find redemption to find meaning, to find betterment of self, to find, you know, whatever that would, would be. And, and I found the, the father's uh, sermon very honest uh, and very accessible to a group of three people. Like you said, you mentioned that shot that comes up, or starts behind him, just showing the back of him, and it lifts up to show. You think he's talking to a church full of people, and he's talking to those three people. There was a lot there, and then you, you boil down, uh, the stories of the individual characters to their to their basics and and who in this series is not searching for redemption, you know, in some way, shape or form. And so that has to hit each of those three of them somewhere deep. And we see with Matt's conversation later with the, with the father that it does. There's a load of guilt uh, going on. Uh, and the reason that he's doing the things that he's doing is a combination of guilt and searching for that redemption, which play into each other naturally. For sure. And I just I thought it was a, a, a really, really great scene for sure. And really honest uh, at the same time. It also one of the things that struck me just now was that it hit Karen and you could see that visibly on her because she's still going through um, killing Wesley from season one. <laughs> um, and that's still weighing heavy on her on her soul. And I think she does a lot of things in this series um especially up to now to find that redemption. Um, she's, she's been searching for that a lot. Um, and, and looking, looking for that in, and, and father Lantham sort of gives her a little bit of that at, at the, in his, in his homily regarding grotto. Um, so what did, what did you think specifically about, uh, the, the guilt being a motivator? Guilt's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it can motivate you to clean up the world, sort of, so to think. Um, I, I agree with that. I think that it can be overdone, uh, for sure. I think that Matt Murdock, Daredevil, does overdo that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when it's your only motivator, your sole motivator, and if you lose that guilt, then you lose yourself. I think that's where, where it ends up going, going too far. But, I, I absolutely think that guilt can be a motivator because if you look at Spider-Man, you know, as a as a as a random non Daredevil character 
example. Uh, the guilt from Uncle Ben and yeah. not preventing his his death was it is the single defining characteristic about why he became Spider-Man. It's definitely a good thing. And 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 using non-superhero examples, we I think we could all look at things in our lives where we could have done something, we had the opportunity to do something, um, we could have changed something and we didn't, and now we live with that. Well, I should have done that. You know, that's and and with that, hopefully, if that opportunity comes up a second time, we're able to remember that guilt and then play off of that and, and make a different decision the second time mm-hmm. to actually go through. Then I think that that it very much is. I think in 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 my setting, uh, you know, we we also we use the word repentance uh, and and conviction uh, are two two of the words and. Guilt is very, very much, uh, similar to conviction. You're, you're convicted that you're, you're not doing something right or that you did something wrong or, or whatever. Uh, and that leads to repentance, a change in, in behavior. When that's the idea and that it seems to be the idea behind what the father is talking about and, and what Matt's talking about as well, um, then it can be a very good thing. It can be a very good motivator. And, and whether it's a good one or not, it's real. You know, and people do use it that way. <clears throat> so let's look at some characters. Uh, we, Matt, Foggy, and Karen have been there. Um, Daredevil is there. He's kind of the antithesis, not the antithesis, but he's kind of the opposite of Matt. You know, Matt's very. It's it's not like there's a Red Hulk and a Green Hulk situation going on here. You know, Hulk and Bruce Banner. That's. Daredevil allows Matt to exercise some of the demons that he's got in him um, and figure some things out. Sure. What is interesting to me is that there's two sides of that coin where Matt tries to be very reserved and, and he knows that, like you said in the first episode, if I don't go out at night, people die or could get hurt. Um, and I feel like Daredevil is maybe slipping in that a little bit because he's getting very frustrated because Punisher is pushing his limits, right? Punisher is pushing Daredevil to basically have that one bad day where he totally flips out and goes haywire. And Daredevil, Matt, Daredevil is trying to keep it all inside, um, keep it all under wraps. And so that's a very interesting thing to see. And I think we're starting to see it fray a little bit where I don't know where it's going to lead necessarily, but I do think it's going to lead somewhere that is um, maybe a little destructive because that tends to happen. Right. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. I think that's where, where it falls in using the guilt as the either as too much of a motivator or as the wrong motivator where, where he's using his motivation is to prevent future guilt because of his past guilt. He thinks that anything that, that anything that happens, you know, if I don't go out tonight, people die. Grotto died. He said, it wasn't my fault. He's trying to convince himself. He's not trying to convince the father that it wasn't his fault. He's trying to convince himself. Uh, when you take that much on you, that much pressure, that much responsibility, it doesn't take a lot to push you you know, maybe not all the way in that direction, but start nudging you over that way for sure. Mm-hmm. The other character I really appreciated in this was um, Detective Brett. 
Now, yes, his mom doesn't have any of the cigars lately, but he did sort of basically call Daredevil out and say, look, I can't do my job if y'all are running around being crazy. And so in order to do my job, I need you to back off a little bit. <laughs> I need you to be able to to let me – I don't think he comes out and says, I need you to be able to let me have a collar. But he does say, I need you to to – let me do my job. Let the police do their job. You know, we have a certain way of doing things. And when you have a, a mass murderer, essentially, who's above the law, it's not helping. Um, and then when you have another vigilante come in and clean the mess up, it's not helping either. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, and, and he has a point, you know, the, the public doesn't see a difference in daredevil and punisher mm -hmm. doesn't they don't they don't either see or care that one kills and one doesn't it's the cops can't do their job so these people have to come up and start you know taking care of things in the in instead of the cops and that just starts the cycle of okay so that makes it even more that the cops can't do their job so that makes it even more important for vigilantes for superheroes for whatever to come up and 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 that puts you into an endless cycle I don't even remember the TV show I was watching. Uh, the dad was a cop and, and the kid was reading comic books and, and he took the kid to task. He said, these these comics make cops look like, you know, buffoons and real heroes. The one that gets up every day, puts on the uniform and goes to work to try to make the streets a better place. Uh, you know, is that a little, you know, far? I don't know. I'm not a cop, you know, like so I can't say that. But I but I see Brett's point here, you know, and, and I think it's a very real um consideration to take in and i think we see daredevil take that into consideration in this episode yeah especially at the end when brett mahoney collars you know gets the gets the the acclaim for capturing punisher mm -hmm. you know and and daredevil surrenders literally to that and he says you know and then brett lets him go right but he does say look take him in you got him i didn't get him you got him People need mm -hmm. to know that the cops can do their job, which almost sounds like Matt's starting to let go of some of that. He got Punisher off the streets. That's good. He's letting go of some of that. Um, he's letting go of some of that guilt. You know, he's working through it a little bit, but it's only episode four. So something's got to happen. I know, right? This was a short, short, short season. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. On to Luke Cage. <laughs> so... Was there any style things that you, you noticed in this? This is a little bit more my department. Very much your department, so so I will go first. Because there, there were two things. I, I Ask anybody that knows me. I don't observe things real well, uh, especially visual, like style, whatever. But the two things I, I noticed, one you already mentioned, that was in the church, in the funeral. The different way that that was shot and, and how that looked. You know, Catholic churches just have the... There's a, there's a stereotype for a reason that they're beautiful. The, the other one was during that, that scene that shall not be mentioned at the, towards the end. Um, and, and just the way they shot that with the rain, um, was very striking. It was very, very distinct and, uh, certainly was, was a way to grab attention and to, I, I liked the way it was shot, even though I didn't like the content. Yes. It was very sensual. 
Um, yes. You could – Even before the that part of it, just the moment they stepped out of the bar, mm-hmm. uh, the, the rain was a character almost mm-hmm. in it, and, and you don't see that much. Where I was gravitating to was the the fact that you could almost hear the rain. You were in Matt's shoes in this in this scene. You could hear the rain coming down. It, it, it sort of drowned out everything else. You could almost hear it on her skin, um, you know, running down her, her arm. He was conscious of every raindrop and every and everything that was hitting. I'm not a big fan of it either, but I could, you know, get caught in the rain and have a pina colada. I mean, that's that's something that can happen. <laughs> it it happens to people all the time, and romantic situations, you know, intense romantic situations happen all the time. Um, so you know. Let's let let's let Karen and Matt do their thing. Let's let Karen and Matt do their thing. Although, personally, if it were up to me, I want Foggy mm-hmm. and Karen together. That's what I want. But Foggy doesn't ever get the girl. So no, and I don't even know that I necessarily see it with with Foggy and her. I just I'd much rather have that than than Matt and her for sure. Well, um, I just feel like with Matt and her, it's too easy, right? It's oh look, Matt is getting the the ingenue again. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want that again because here it is again. Um, it almost feels like the reason they're getting together is because they're supposed to, mm-hmm. because they're the the main male and the main female, mm-hmm. and there, there's no real reason. Behind. I I know we don't want to bring up the comics necessarily. And I'm, I'm definitely not as um, well-versed as, as Ben is, for example. Uh, I follow, I followed a little bit of daredevil over the years, but I believe that that probably part of the reason it was put in there is because I, I believe that they had a relationship in the comics as well. I will say this. It doesn't feel unnatural. It does feel like those two people are, or could be, striking up a romantic relationship. I just don't like it. Right. And, and part of the reason I don't like it is because that's not something that happens <laughs> to a lot of people. I don't necessarily, I, mm, I love my wife. She's a beautiful woman. <laughs> I don't get caught in the rain with other beautiful women, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We are foggy. Yes. We, we're foggy. We are foggy. We are foggy. We are foggy. Uh, it feels tired. Yes, it's natural for Matt and Karen to – that feels natural. But again, I'm like, oh, good. The the hunky guy is getting with the beautiful lady uh, again. <laughs> and and I'm just – I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Right. That being said, it does feel natural. It does feel like, well – the hunky guy is getting with the beautiful woman again. <laughs> Let's talk about Electra for the two and a half seconds she's on screen. What do we think? She's Electra. And I know this because he says, oh, Electra. <laughs> and I don't know anything else. So um, I imagine I would expect the next episode to be more focused on her. Maybe. 
I don't know. Um, Tends to be how these series play out. Yes. Uh, she's She's got an interesting look again. You know, she's a beautiful woman and hunky guy again. Maybe they'll fall in love and, and Karen can and Foggy can, you know, date again. I don't know. It it would be it'll be really interesting to see because obviously he says Electra. There's a past there. There's a history there. That's true. Um, and I'm I'm really interested to see how that plays out. I, I know just a just a little bit about the the comic history and we won't get into that, but. But not enough. Even even in there, I'm interested to to see more, uh, and so I'm really interested to see in this series how that how that works. Well, you'll just have to keep listening, and maybe you'll be back on the show. I don't know. Okay, so themes. Did you did you get anything out of this episode that is worth um, talking about? Most of it we've touched on already. Um, mm-hmm. The the idea of everybody in this was dedicated to either one or both of betterment of self and, and for the most part in a good way, uh, you know, that can, if we, if we look at Finn and his, his guys, that's not necessarily a good thing, but you know, Matt, the Punisher, you know, the, these guys were, they're, they're dedicated to, to making themselves better people mm-hmm. or, well, let me change that. Uh, Matt is trying to make himself a better person to prevent that future guilt the Punisher has no qualms about who he is. He does. He's not trying to make himself a better person. He's trying to make the world a better place by eliminating this other uh, group of people. Do you think that he is so honorable, I guess, or altruistic in his motives? Cause I don't necessarily get that. What I think is he's just mad and he has taken it out on on the people who caused him mad, caused him pain, mm-hmm. literally punishing them. I don't think that that's his his main purpose or focus or even conscious about it. Although, well, no, I would say he is conscious about it because he uses that as some of his justification, doesn't he? Or am I making that up? I'm making the world a better place. Yeah, these guys deserve to die. The, the world's a better place without them type of, of reasoning. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess he does use that as a, as a, as a reasoning. I always thought of it as like smoke. Like, well, sure. Yeah, his main thing is, I'm mad. These people did this to me and my family. They took something from me. I'm gonna take everything from them. Right. Period. Added bonus to that, I get to use the reasoning to justify myself to others that it's making the world a better place. Whether I believe it or not, whether I care about that or not, I get to use that reasoning to justify what I'm doing. Do you think at the end when he's sitting on the on the grave, you know, bearing his soul to to Matt, um, do you think that any of that sinks in to him? And he says, you know, he he has a little bit of catharsis and and comes out and says, or maybe even thinks that maybe I'm not making the world a better place by causing mass carnage. Possibly. I saw it more as I can rest now. My job is done. Mm. Because to his knowledge, from what I understand, to his knowledge, he's gotten everybody that was 
involved in the massacre. So he's he's sitting there. He he might be wondering if he's going to die. If he's able to take a deep breath and he's able to say, OK, I did it. I did what my mission was. I did what my purpose was. Uh, I went out and I got the guys that did this to me and my family. Um, that might also relay into sinking in that, hey, this might not have been the best way to do it, but you know, it might not be making the world a better place. It might not be you know, how I should have done it, but I did it. I did what I set out to do, and now I'm done. So are, are there any other themes, lessons we might have learned that you can that you spot fatherhood is a powerful motivator you follow your kid around ups and down the stairs all day long yeah <laughs> that's what we've been doing lately um fatherhood is a huge motivator and that's and i think that comes across and then also there's the big one that i think we need to we need to address a little bit is the um don't wait for tomorrow you know yes he he does mention Maybe I'll read that tomorrow, and then there was no, there was no more tomorrow. And having known you, as we've we've already established for over ten years, um, and you knowing me, I can I can say without a doubt that each one, both of us, have had to say that at one point or another to our children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not tonight. I whether I'm too tired, whether I'm too busy, whether I'm too whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, we've had to say that, and so watching this. Uh, especially watching it a second time almost a year later, forgetting about that part mm-hmm. was in, was incredibly powerful. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, don't don't wait till tomorrow. Um, and and, yeah. and not to mention that that uh, John Barenthal's you know performance in that scene is is powerful. I mean, the monologue he gives is just powerful. Seriously, no wonder they gave him his own series, right? Right, because it he inhabits that character and, and fully fleshes him out, you know, and, and, and I will spoil a little bit. You do see later on sort of more of that journey and, and his um, journey to, you know, to, to where things go. Yeah. He is a huge part of this and is a great, well-written character. And and again, no wonder they gave him his own show um, because he's just that good. He gives a, a fantastic performance as as this character. Um, you know, without having seen the, the the other two movies, I kind of picture him the way you guys described the Punisher in the first episode of this season. Just kind of that that horror movie shoot him up. You know, just kind of slowly walking through and killing everything that comes in his path. No character. Yeah, there's no character there. But that's how I think the the movies, from what I've heard, again not having seen them how they do that by accident without intending to, and it doesn't come across well. And then I think the other one is, you know, the, the another message in, in this is let the cops do their thing. You know, don't we, we live in a world. Unfortunately, we live in a world where it's where cops are humans too. I, I think I'd like to hope that there was a time when the badge was a little bit more bulletproof. Not necessarily that the badge was bulletproof, but that you sort of thought it twice about pulling a gun on a cop. That being said, I think there was a little less dirty cops going on. You know, there's fewer dirty cops back in back in the day of yore. Um, so I, I think that there is something to be said about what 
you know, Officer Brett Mahoney's talking about where it's hard to do your job when you have other people trying to do your job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I think there's a little bit of a lesson there, a little bit of a theme there, a little bit of a, a, a thing to take away. You know, if we're doing something and we're doing it for the reason of making something better and somebody that we're doing it for comes along and says, you're not making things better. We need to not be bullheaded, not say, well, but that's what I'm doing it for. I'm going to keep doing it the same way no matter what, because I know what's best and I'm trying to make things better. But listen, and if if you're making things more difficult or um, even having no effect, you know, there, there's a better way to do things or or whatever. If you're if you're making things more difficult for the person you're trying to help, change what you're doing. Be willing to 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 be flexible in that, you know, and 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 actually listen to that. And I think Matt Murdoch and you know by extension Daredevil um, learn that pretty pretty well in this. And I think it, he learns it twice. I think the conversation with Officer Mahoney is one, um, and then uh, the conversation with. Punisher is the second one where he sort of sees Punisher in this light of, yeah, it could just be one bad day. I kind of feel like Foggy were to be threatened. Um, and I can't, I honestly, listeners, I cannot remember if Foggy's threatened in the end of the season or not. But if Foggy was threatened, Matt Murdock at, by extension, Daredevil, would kind of move the earth <laughs> to to get him unthreatened. You know what I mean? He would probably do some things he is not proud of and and take some actions he is not happy with to to resolve the situation that that Foggy's being um threatened or hurt or tortured or whatever. Um and I think that's a that's a, a thing that Daredevil doesn't realize about himself until this conversation with with punisher and going um you know the re and punisher laying out the reason why he's doing such a thing so you know it's 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 interesting because you know daredevil has that 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 cut and dry clear black and white line that killing is wrong Mm -hmm. and and so he won't kill by making that line and by making the line there he might not even realize it yet. He might not realize it till that, that situation you're talking about. That means anything up to killing is just fine. Mm-hmm. You could confront him on that. He might not think that he might not say that he might not acknowledge that, but you put him in that situation, that bad day, anything up to killing, you know, and, and that's where that line is. That means that anything else goes, you know, the Punisher doesn't have that. He's conscious is clear because he doesn't have that line. Now he should. I'm not I'm not suggesting we don't have lines. Trust me, that's not not where I'm going with this. But anytime you you set a line, then that's where the line is. And that means that anything that's on the acceptable side of that line is acceptable. You know, and so you have to be very, very diligent in in how you determine what that line is. I think Punisher is almost literally on the other side of if the line is as thick as a line in the sand, you know, Daredevil and Punisher can be standing on just the opposite sides, you know, half a foot away from each other. Now, Punisher's line is a little bit further away, obviously, but I think his line is still there. You know, again, back to the first him walking through the hospital being Terminator. He does take that cop's gun away and throws it in the garbage. 
to me, and I, and I, and I know listeners, I've beat this dead horse a bunch. To me, that is, that speaks volumes about Punisher's character. He does, he will not kill someone that he does not connect to the murder of his family. We find that out in this episode, not that episode, obviously, but he doesn't kill anybody that he doesn't necessarily believe deserves it. Yeah, it's it's his determination if they deserve it. Uh, but if you don't deserve it, it won't happen. You can argue. I mean, we can argue the, the morality of that situation, whether the moral code you're following is that of society or that of a higher power or whatever. What I'm saying is that his moral code is is steadfast. <laughs> um, yes. I don't think it it fits in 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 a society or or a morality, but it is steadfast, and wherever it fits, it fits there. Um, so, uh, that, it, it, it again, season's not over yet, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. You had mentioned about Finn when he comes in and he he makes his entrance. Mm. the The appearance is, and and I totally see this appearance that he doesn't care about his son. He cares about his money. Mm-hmm. Another way to look at that, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, he can't do anything about his son. His son is dead. You can't get your son back when he's dead. The other thing that the person did that killed his son was they took his money. And so I can go after the person that killed my son and take my money back and kill that guy. So I don't know if it's quite as it, – it might still be accurate to say that he cared more about the money than his son, but I don't know that it's quite as black and white as that. I never, I never put that connection together that, cause I always, he walks in, he's kind of unassuming. He kind of gets a drink. They, you know, talk a little bit. You've been out of the game for too long. And then he stabs a guy in the face. And so you're like, Oh, he's, he's just like, you know, he's this, this backwards, you know, field mouse who's not necessarily oh no way he's a mobster got it got it we know where we stand on this thing so what what did what did the guy say though that caused him to get stabbed in the eye he said death is part of this he's glossing over the death of finn's son i wonder if he walked in there planning on doing that to begin with uh, or if it was when that guy you know dismissed his son's death as as just something that happened that caused that catalyst to to occur I didn't connect that is what I was trying to get to. It's interesting to, to, to have that connection be, be presented. He would have been an interesting one to see a backstory on too. Finn would have, because we see that he he's returning. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's got a past. Then by the end of the episode, he's dead and gone. Right. I, I know mean, you can't get a backstory on everybody, you know? Right. <laughs> so ratings. Uh, how many raindrops out of five in a scene that shall not be named do you give this episode? To be honest, this is one of my favorite episodes uh, of the series, um, mm-hmm. of, of both seasons of season, you know, episodes we haven't seen yet or, or anything like that. But, uh, it, it is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, it also just happens to have that scene that shall we not be named, uh, <laughs> Tacked on at the end. Uh, so I'll, I'll go four and a half. Four and a half. You're yeah. going to split a, you're going to split a raindrop. I, I will. My head. Yeah. Raindrops are falling on my head. Um, I am going to go, I think, even though there's the scene that I don't like, 
Like I said, I do believe that it is a natural scene for those characters. I think I'm going to go five. I think this is probably the Ah. best Daredevil has been. That I fully agree with. If you were to make a thesis statement, if you were to, to put something up on a pedestal and say, what is the best our show can be? I think it's this episode. If you could present somebody with one episode of Daredevil, this touches on all of who he is. It definitely does. It definitely gives us the religious aspect of things um, because Daredevil is very religious. He's very Catholic. And then you have the Punisher. And I don't know if the Punisher was introduced in Daredevil. I feel like it was, but I don't know for sure. But if it wasn't, they have done a very good job of taking the antithesis of Daredevil. And then it also gives you the the camaraderie of Foggy and Matt, um, not as much as you know before and after in other episodes, but it's still there. Um, it gives you the camaraderie of <sighs> Matt and Karen, which again, but it's still there. Well, um, and there should be camaraderie there. Right. Let's like, not completely dismiss her as um okay so we're gonna shove it on over to ben for feedback take it away ben witness testimony okay thank you Stuart and casey and we do have some feedback so uh we're gonna start with uh agent jeffrey and he says good day agents uh the subject line actually is daredevil season two episodes one through four Perfect timing, eh? Uh, Good day, agents. I hope this makes it in time for the appropriate episode. These are my highlights for the first one-third of the season. Episode one started off nicely with Chase through Chinatown. I like the imagery of Daredevil and the Neon Cross. The massacre at the Irish meeting was brutal, but why did only one person try to hide? The idea of of the gangsters shooting blindly toward the Punisher instead of seeking cover rang hollow. I will always take more Sergeant Mahoney. Adrenalized Foggy is my favorite Foggy. That's when his lawyer skills shine. I know this is a comic book show, but there is no such thing as a warning shot to the head. (laughs) Using Grotto as bait is a bold move, highly unethical, but bold. D.A. Reyes has a lot of nerve. Take that, pawn shop guy is off the street. Daredevil's healing meditation works miracles, but maybe he needed some more alone time. A one-armed Punisher easily took him out when he realized Daredevil couldn't track his movements anymore. In the Punisher versus Daredevil debate, the Punisher holds an untenable position. You can't kill everyone, Frank. More Claire Temple, please. Her hospital seems stressful. Karen's superpower is research. (laughs) Anyone who's seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure knows you don't mess with the gang's bikes. The stairwell fight was impressive, but it was a lot more stylish than the, high, the hallway fight from season one. The fight last season grabbed me for its realness. This season seemed like a big-budget choreography. It was great, but not for the same reasons. The opening of the fourth episode hurt. The eyeball stabbing made me cringe. More Father Lantern, please. His scenes from the first season count among my favorites. I don't know what this means, but skaters waltz. (laughs) The Punisher can take on a lot of damage. And what does he have stashed inside his arm? Yuck. Take that Finn's face. Who cares about Frank's family? The Punisher. That's who the scene in the cemetery has some of the best acting in anything MCU. 
Anyone else think the Daredevil looked like a lot like a gargoyle? Oh, and here's Electra. So far, the season has been great. See you guys in four more episodes. Jeff. P.S. Logan is pretty great. However, it's too nihilistic for me to get fully behind it. Professor X is a real jerk, but the kid who plays Laura did a fantastic job. P.P.S. This is for Stuart. Your pop culture references and mine exist in a similar time, but they are focused on different things. Try to mix in some head of the class or Doogie Howser quotes. You lost me with your Full House song. Oh, head of the class and Doogie Howser. Oh, how we miss you. And then uh, Agent Matthew wrote in and he says, Hi, Ben, Samantha, Stuart, and past Daniel. Thanks for continuing to cover all things MCU. I am back to point out another comic book image recreation. When Daredevil points the gun and grins, it is just like the cover of Daredevil number 184. Keep up the great work. And he sent along an image and he is right. Uh, Daredevil 144 is the cover. It's a classic cover. Uh, it says no more Mr. Nice Guy on it. And it has him holding a revolver and it's pointed not quite at the reader. Like if you're holding the gun or holding hold the gun, if you're holding the comic book, looking at the cover of this comic book, the gun is pointed off to the side. Like he's maybe even aiming at someone behind you or something. But I think he is absolutely correct that there is definitely a an homage in the screenshot that he sent uh, and this panel. And this will be up on our website. The episode's uh, blog post will be at welcome to level seven.com slash penny and dime penny and dime one word no spaces you know how it works uh but i'm not saying penny and dime or penny and dime penny and dime that's what i'm saying so all right well that's all the feedback for tonight final verdict so i guess it's raindrops that we're rating this episode and i i'm also going to give this a very very high rating i i think i would give this a five raindrops out of five uh this is one of the best hours of netflix marvel maybe even one of the best hours of mcu in general and there's some really really good stuff going on in this episode and some really really good stuff going on in this season i don't want to look ahead too far there is some stuff that i didn't like in this season but uh the stuff that i didn't like is not because it wasn't good. It's just because it just wasn't hitting me in quite the right way. So next episode, we will be spending more time with Electra. But until then, I just have to say thank you so much for listening. And I say I have to say that, but I say I have to say it because I want to say it. I really do appreciate you listeners, and I appreciate you listening, leaving reviews on iTunes and different places like that, and also sending us emails and voicemails. And uh, we really appreciate that. And that's what makes it all, a lot of times really what makes it worth doing is just being able to engage with so many people about this stuff. So again, thank you very much for listening. And to all of you out there listening right now, listening tonight or this morning or whatever whenever it is, wherever you are. May your neighbors respect you. Trouble neglect you. The angels protect you. And heaven accept you. 
Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 17755-LEVEL7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're Level7Pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening. One batch, two batch, penny and dime. What does that even mean?